So this morning, I, I, I want to speak to you on uh, faith and trust and the fact that faith and trust are inseparable. Some things just go together, you know, like uh, sun and daylight uh, or a smartphone and internet access, uh, a car with wheels, curry and rice, fish and chips, you know, Batman and Robin, those kind of things, they just go together. Some of these combinations can be separated, but some cannot. For example, you can eat curry with naan, with roti, with chapati, with papadams, with, with paratha, but Batman, he will still function without Robin on his own, but they're no longer the dynamic duo. Some of these things can stand on their own, but some are inseparable. If the sun has risen upon the earth, then we have daylight because light dispels darkness. A smartphone without internet access is no longer smart, it's just a phone. And a car without wheels? Well, that's just a plain drag. Okay, enough of probably of the corny jokes, but you get the idea. Some things are inseparable, they just go together. You can operate faith, you can operate trust without faith, but you cannot have faith without trust. They're inseparable, they just go together. We have faith and trust in various things and uh, in various people in our lives. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is biblical faith. What is biblical faith? Faith as written in the Bible is expressed always in a person and not in an object. It's always in a person. We can see faith operating in human relationships in Exodus chapter 21 and verse 8. Numbers chapter 5 and verse 12, there's a couple of examples there. It's either faith with or faith in a person. And it's a human being we're talking about there. However, the overwhelming majority of, of references to faith in the Bible concerns God. That is our faith with or our faith in the person and the promises of God. Now, the word faith is really found in the Old Testament but the idea and the concept of faith is actually found quite frequently. Faith is, uh, in the Old Testament is usually expressed in words such as believe, trust, hope, these kind of words that we see. For example, in Psalm 37.4, it says that we should put our trust in the Lord. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 28.26 tells us that our trust is not to be in ourselves. Our trust is not to be in chariots and soldiers. In Isaiah chapter 31, verse 1, Hosea chapter 10 and verse 13. I realize I'm going through these quickly, but you can come back to them if you need to get them. And our trust is not to be in idols or trophies made with our own hands. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 17 and Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 18. And finally, our trust is not to be in anything human, nothing human. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 5. The authors of the Old Testament thought of the Lord alone as the only one who was worth trusting. In the New Testament, faith is very prominent and it's always contrasted with the saving work of Jesus Christ. You always find that contrast in the New Testament. In, fa in faith, human beings abandon any and all of our reliance on our own efforts to obtain salvation in any way. In Ephesians 2, chapter 8, you'll see that. So I want to ask two questions this morning. The first question I want to ask is, 
What is faith in God? What is faith in God? How can we define the big picture that we see in Scripture that is faith? Faith is perseverance in trusting in the person and the promises of God. I want to say that again. Faith is perseverance in trusting in the person and the promises of God. And I'll unpack that a little further as we go along. But first, let's look at what biblical faith is not. Okay, Biblical faith is not vague and it's not wishful thinking. As we'll see, it's concrete and it has substance. Biblical faith is not a leap into the unknown. Paul's confession in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12 is that I know whom I have believed. And Jesus said in, in John chapter 17 and verse 3, This is salvation, that you may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. So there's, a, there's that knowing concept there. It's not a leap into the unknown. And biblical faith is not blind trust, even in the face of evidence that suggests otherwise. The facts are what the world will constantly bring to us. They'll say, how can a loving God send people to hell? Or how can a loving God allow all of this suffering that's happening here in front of us? But the thing is that, that biblical faith is not a blind trust. It is trust in the truth that is within God's word. Often we hear people say, or express the words, well, that's your belief. But biblical faith is much more than belief. Belief only expresses one element of faith, and that is the intellectual aspect or component. And James 2.19 tells us that even the demons believe and they shudder. So it's more than belief. It's more than that intellectual concept that we're talking about. Faith is more than hope, because hope is focused only on the future. You can't hope for what you have right now. Faith has to do with the past, with the present, and with the future. Because God has been faithful in the past, God is faithful right now, and God will be faithful into the future. Therefore, we can confidently trust in his promises. Henry Thiessen says that faith is the turning of the soul to God as repentance is the turning of the soul from sin. The scriptures represent faith as an act of our heart. That means that it it involves an act of our intellect, it involves an act of our emotions, and and it involves an act of our will. Biblical faith is a confident trust in the eternal God who is infinitely wise, all powerful, and eternally trustworthy. The God who has revealed himself through his word in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, through the testimony and power of the Holy Spirit. The God whose promises have proven true from generation to generation. Faith consists of a persistent, assured, confident conviction with hope and trust in God. So we've looked at the general makeup of faith. And we've looked at what faith is not, but now we need to look more precisely at what the Bible says faith is. And the go-to scripture when anybody ever preaches on faith is always Hebrews chapter 11. 
And uh, so we're going to turn to there. You can turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read from verse 1 in a minute. This whole chapter speaks on what faith is and what it looked like in the lives of the patriarchs and, uh, in, and the, the, uh, the people of old who persistently followed God and lived their lives out in faith, trusting in God. So Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the assurance, and some versions will say substance, of things hoped for, the conviction, again some versions will say evidence, of things not seen. So faith gives us assurance and substance that is real. It's tangible, it's perceptible, and it's manifest. It actually exists. A firm foundation on which we can have a confidence and trust. From this real and tangible substance, we obtain evidence of what is unseen. It is the assurance that God will do what he said that he will do. Therefore, our faith rests on the person and the promises of God. So the second question I want to ask then is, how do we get faith? How do we get faith? Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And some versions might say by the word of Christ. Okay, now the context here I realize is actually talking about our salvation in Christ Jesus. But remember I said earlier that faith is always found in the New Testament as contrasted against the saving work of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5. Galatians 3, 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So faith comes by hearing. Hearing and faith go together. Now, when the Bible speaks of hearing, it's not referring to these things ear on the side of our heads. Yeah, I know, another corny joke, but that's okay. I'm a dad. I'm allowed to get away with some of those. Okay, not these things ear hanging off the side of our heads, but also our spiritual ears and our spiritual understanding. For example, after Jesus had told a parable or a teaching or he'd made a, a comment of explanation, you'll see it many times happen in the, uh, in the Gospels, in the New Testament. He would often say, for him who has ears to hear. And he's referring not just to these ones on the side of our head, but also our spiritual ears, our spiritual understanding. When we hear God, something begins to take place within us. Spiritually speaking, that is. That's because God's word is alive and it's active. It, has, uh, it, it, it was by the power of God's word that God spoke the universe into being. And our spirit begins to resonate when God begins to call. I want to say that again. Our spirit begins to resonate when God begins to call. However, God has given us a free will and he respects that. You know, God calls, God offers, but we must respond. And when we respond in faithful persistence, being assured that there is substance in God's call and in his word, we start to trust him. And when we begin to sense a spiritual, do that, we begin to sense a spiritual manifestation that is forming within us even before God begins to shape the evidence that is before us. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. 
Paul is speaking here, and he's uh, speaking of Abraham. And it just says, As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. There are things that are in your life. There are things in my life that God has yet to call into existence. There are promises that God has given us, promises that he's spoken or that he's highlighted to us out of his word. As we've read the Bible or perhaps as we've been in prayer, God will quicken something to us. He will excite or energize something to us from his word. And then we get a a now rhema word of God from his written Logos word. There is something tangible there that God energizes and excites within us. He quickens to us. Perhaps God has spoken through a word of prophecy that's been brought to you. There can be assurances and convictions that we've carried for a long time in God. And in the natural, without God's help, that can just seem absolutely impossible for those things to take place. But George Muller said, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There's no glory for for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Faith is the language of response to God. Let's have a look at Hebrews uh, chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews 11, 6. You know, as we persevere in trusting in the person and the promises of God, God will call into existence the very things that he has spoken to you through the truth and the power of his word. Hebrews 11.6 And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith is the language of response to God. Okay, There are many different languages, and faith is the language of our response to God. Without it, we can do nothing. Without faith, we can only operate in hope. But hope has to do with the future, as we said before, and it's forward-looking. But what about today? What about now? I mean, we can trust in hope, but hope suspects that God is good, and hope expects His word may be dependable and hope assumes that God will act accordingly with those things. But hope doesn't give us assurance and substance and hope doesn't give us a tangible confidence that we get with faith. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 8. Luke 5, 1 to 8. And this is speaking of Jesus here. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, uh, and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked to be put out a little from the land. And he sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. And when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. 
And, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish that, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And, they filled, and when they came, they and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Peter, Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. This has taken place early in Jesus' ministry, and it's actually before the calling of, of Peter and uh, Andrew and James and John to be Jesus' disciples and follow him. And now Jesus gets into the boat and he begins to teach the people, the, the crowd that had been following and pressing in on him so much that he had no room. He had to get into the boat so that he could teach them. And uh, after teaching them in verse 4, he speaks to Peter and he gives him an opportunity to respond in faith. And in verse 5, Peter says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And that's a real key thing, at your word. Peter, having worked all night to catch nothing and then listening to Jesus teaching the crowds and responding in faith, despite the setbacks of the previous night, you know, and probably feeling really tired, Peter, having heard Jesus preaching, he then receives the word of the Lord personally and he begins to act upon that assurance and substance that has solidified in his heart, and his faith then is rewarded. Matthew chapter 14 and verses 26 to 29. Matthew 14, 26 to 29. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once saying, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he, he walked on the water towards Jesus. This time we see in verse 28, Peter actually asks. He initiates a request of Jesus in faith. As soon as Peter hears the words from Jesus, yes, come, then trusting in the word of the Lord in confidence and assurance, he immediately goes over the side of the boat and he walks on the water. Often it is that God waits for us to ask something of him, to reach out in faith, trusting in him and in his nature, in his character and in his consistency. You know, it's often amazed me over the years as I've read through the, the New Testament and you, you see through in the Gospels that Jesus would come across a blind person and he would ask, what is it that you want? Now, I don't know about you, but for me, anytime I've seen a blind person at all, it's usually quite obvious that, that, that they have um, you know, that visual impairment. But um, Jesus, wanting to draw out faith in people, he invites their request. To many others, Jesus responded to their requests, be it done to you according to your faith. We could cover many examples of faith right throughout the Old Testament with the patriarchs, with the prophets, uh, with the people of old. We could also you know, take examples from the lives of the disciples and then later on as we read in the book of Acts as the apostles Many examples. We could look at the faith that was expressed by the Roman centurion in Matthew chapter 8 
And Jesus said, I haven't seen a greater faith than this in all of Israel. And that's a big statement. We could look at the Syrophoenician woman in in, uh, Mark chapter 7. You know, these were people to whom Jesus wasn't even sent. These were not Jews. These were Gentiles. But yet they have come and they've reached out to Jesus on the basis of trusting him. And they have asked in faith and they've received from God. I believe that we're coming into a season where God is wanting us to reach out to him in faith again. This is part of the restoration of the broken that I believe that God is is wanting to do amongst us. You know, uh, Russ read out a scripture from Matthew chapter 12 and verse 20 last week where it says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. God is restoring the broken. There's a truth in that for us right now in this season. There are people this morning who in the past who've asked and believed God for something. They've Perhaps it's been for, for healing. Maybe it was physical healing. Maybe it was mental or emotional healing. Perhaps you've been struggling with depression. You know, perhaps it was a restoration of a relationship with a, a friend or with a family member. Perhaps it was for a particular kind of job that you've reached out in faith or for some kind of financial breakthrough. Maybe it was a spiritual gift that you've reached out in faith for before. Or maybe God has spoken to you in the past and given you a promise or put a calling for some kind of ministry on your heart. Maybe it was a music ministry or I really have a sense this morning that someone has been actually called to the gift of serving. God's been speaking to you about serving and you've been wondering, how am I going to operate this gift? You know, forget everything that's happened and everything that's gone on in the past year or so. Just start with the people that are around you right now, with your friends, with your family, with the people in your street, with your neighbors, with the people that you see uh, in the place where you shop. You know, God is desiring for that to happen. It will benefit the church. It will operate through the church, but it's maybe not right now. But it is to start right now if you reach out in faith to God. Maybe it has to do with uh, children or youth or maybe it's a ministry with the elderly or with some kind of uh, uh, some other social or or ethnic group of people. Maybe it's a gift uh, that you're desiring to move in the gift of healing or perhaps in words of knowledge or, or in the gift of prophecy or some other kind of gift. Maybe you've had a, a quickened rhema word from God for some time now, but you've become disillusioned and you've become weary because it's taken a long time and it just hasn't happened. Perhaps it is that you're facing a major decision or some kind of crisis in your life right now that only God can resolve and that there is just no other way. You know, if God doesn't make a way, if God doesn't break through, if he doesn't come through, then you're going to be completely undone. I want to ask you this morning, if you've you've got a major decision to face, or if you've got a crisis, or if you've got something where you've really got to press in, do you turn to God first? Do you ask and seek to hear what he has to say in prayer from his word? Because we need to hear. Because remember, faith comes by hearing. We need to press into God. 
I believe that God is calling us to bring these things before him in faith once more, in perseverance, in assurance, and in confident trust in him, in his word, and in his promises. I'm not saying everyone will get their answer straight away, but I am saying that God wants us to rise in persistent faith and trust in him. All that needs to happen for these things to materialize in our life is our persistent faith in God and for his right time. Okay, for his right time, where he begins to call forth that which already exists for him, but is not yet materialized for us. No, it exists for God. And in his right time, it's going to materialize for us if we will walk in persistent faith. Remember, God is not a man that he should lie. And his word will not return to him empty. It will accomplish everything that he desires it to achieve. This morning, if you identify with anything that I've said, I really want to come and pray with you. I have really two, two groups on my heart this morning. The first group is those people that have heard from God in the past and you've, you've, you've had a promise or you've had a word, you've had a quickening, but it just hasn't happened. Particularly for those that perhaps have grown weary with, with this over a long period of time because sometimes our promises can take decades to be fulfilled. You know, you've just got to look at some of the patriarchs. You know, look at Abraham. You know, he, he had to wait over, over 20 years to get that promise. And sometimes it can take a while. We can get weary, but the Scripture encourages us. Don't grow weary in doing well. You know, we've got to keep pressing in. So I want to pray with that group this morning. And I also want to pray with anybody who wants to reach out to God this morning in faith with a request. You know, with a request for a gift or whatever it happens to be. If you just want to press in and trust in God and in his word, because that's where the faith lies. Trust in the person and the promises of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you sit on the throne. And Lord, every day that we wake up, your mercies are new. The scripture tells us the mercies of the Lord are new each morning. And I just want to pray, O oh Lord God, for those people that have waited a long time, O oh God, to, to have their faith rewarded, Lord, to, to see the promises that you have spoken to them about, to see the fulfillment and the materialization of those things which you have placed deep in their heart and in their spirit, but yet have not materialized for them yet. Oh God, you are the God of the impossible and you call into being the things that don't exist as though they already did. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would give these people a great encouragement, Lord, to press on again in you, Lord. In this season in particular, Lord God, as we just move forward, I just sense a, a lifting, Lord God, underneath their wings. Lord, a, a wind that is causing people to rise this morning in faith, because that's where we need to trust. Before we're going to see anything else happen, Lord God, in you, first we must come in trust. First we must come in faith. And out of that faith, our trust is born 
in you. And Lord, I, I just want to pray this morning. Let that take place. And Lord, I, I want to pray for those also, Lord, who have just want to reach out this morning to you with a request. Lord, for, uh, for whatever it is, whatever they might be struggling with, for whatever it is that, that, that is the desire of their heart, Lord, for giftings, Lord God, for, for things that they can employ, oh Lord God, in, in your service to see your kingdom advance. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, come and meet them at the place of their human need right now, oh Lord God. Cause that to happen, Lord God, which only you can cause to happen. You are the God of miracles, and we praise and exalt your name. Lord, we look forward to seeing all that you will achieve in the coming days. You are great and greatly to be praised. I just want to encourage you this morning, people, just to keep pressing into God in faith. It is a season and it is a time to rise again in confident assurance in the Lord our God, because we can trust in the person of God and in His promises, in His Word.